welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name's Jed, and I'm here with Oscar. What's <laughs> up, bitches? You should get that Sesame Street joke, because there are plenty of that in your house. Uh, we don't really watch Sesame Street, actually. Does anybody anymore? Is that not a thing um, anymore? I think so. I think people do. We We don't. I think since it, like, people haven't watched it since, like, uh, TV was on TV ears, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that was free on PBS, and now that's, like, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Yeah, it's got to be. So, probably. So, what's Maybe. up? How are you? I don't know. You're awful. You always, so, I always get John to, this is how, this is how the recording process goes these days when I'm trying to get John. Uh, first I, I surprise him that we're recording, <laughs> even though he knows. So he'll be like, Oh listen, shit, I listen. forgot. Give me some time. And then probably I could probably go back to every text message and it's the same. And then it's fuck my computer's not working. Hold on. Fuck. My nah, Skype's bro. not working. I hate myself. First of all, I called for a change and then you changed like four times after that. You changed the day. So you can't be like, hey, uh, John's such an asshole for forgetting when you change the day five, well, five if, times. Well, uh, originally, that's where it started, uh-huh. was the, the first shift. Okay? I changed it once, and then you changed it how many times after that, though? Two. So it's not on me. It's not all on me, all bud. Okay. Right, right, okay. Fine. Okay? I, was, I was trying to catch up on Westworld. It's much more important. What, are you, than, you on uh, season two? Than you. I am. What do you think of it so far? I like it a lot. Yeah, I do too. I haven't mm-hmm. quite pegged it. Um, why you like it, or no, 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 like, no, no. like what the like what's like going on? What's happening? Right. Um, I'm not all the way caught up, so don't no spoilers. Well, there are no spoilers because you still have no fucking idea. So, <laughs> spoiler alert. Right, they're in the desert well, or something. <laughs> Yo, that show of any show keeps me has like straight just kept me confused the whole time. That you know what I mean? Legion is the other one too, especially this season. Uh, it makes no sense. I don't sense. watch that show. It's you'd like it. Show. You'd like it. I probably would. Is it on HBO too? No. Okay. Well, all I know is I I haven't said I have no idea what's going on to my wife more times watching any other show than Westworld. Like I don't understand what's happening right now. But she's used to you it. saying that constantly anyway. So it's just, you know. It's true. Does she still like ask you buku questions while you're watching it? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, she's, uh, it's so weird because she would like spend half the time on her phone. And that that's what bugs me is like she'll be on, since she quit Facebook, she hasn't asked me questions like that. Oh, she re-quit? Did you? No, you didn't quit. No, but she did, and then ever since then, she hasn't asked me questions during TV. But she'd just, like, stay on Facebook and then be like, hey, what just happened? What did you say? What did you say? What Uh, happened? What did you say? What did you say? (laughs) God bless America. Uh, Okay, let me get get some house cleaning out of the way. We got a new Patreon. Uh, uh, David Phillips. Appreciate you. Um, I got a scoop. <laughs> uh, fuck! I gotta find it. Um, 
We gotten some good emails. Have you been? We got like a lot of emails. Did you see them? Did you notice them? The one that I did notice was some publicist called us by some woman's name. Did you see that? I did. I hope we can have that person on though. So I was like, I, "Who the fuck is Sheila?" It might. That's what I wanted Sheila. to respond. Did Sheila. you respond? Yeah, I want to be like, "Who the fuck, is Sheila?" No, well, there's a couple people I've like. They've been like, "Yo, can I send you guests?" So I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, but it was like, "Hey, Sheila and team." No, so it was it was, like, it was Sarah. You never listen to our damn podcast. It was you never Sarah. listen to our damn podcast. I knew it was an S name. You never listen to our podcast. And and we you got an I mean? email. We're still trying to get sold steroids from Japan or China. Which is awesome, by it the is. way. Yeah, congregation, if you guys want any steroids, Chinese steroids, <laughs> Chinese steroids, holla uh, at your boy. Spe- I got that plug. Speaking of which, and this is a sharp right, but I guess I mean it brings it up. So somberly, one uh, a guy that was on our uh, Nick that was on our steroid episode. Um, yeah, he overdosed and died. Fuck yeah. That's, cr- I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I always say it's crazy. Which is it's crazy. not, it's just, it's just, it's surreal. It's still jarring every time I, uh, when we got that text message from AJ who hooked us up, who introduced us to Nick, I haven't been able to process that. Um, but yeah, crazy. Man, and I, he would like send me pictures of them going to meetings and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's fine, so, man. Under, yep. Underneath our worldliness and levity, man, this shit's really serious. Yeah, and what's so interesting too, I think, is um, so Anthony Bourdain was one of us. Right? I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, well, I beat you to it, so suck on these nuts. Well, uh, the, he. The thing about him, he's though, one of us. Is, what was the thing about him, Jed? So, well, and this is my, this is my. I mean, it's. I'm not in his head. I don't know, but he was one of those that he he quit heroin and he's one of us, mm-hmm. but he still, he was like, I can still drink. Right. I'm not saying right. that had anything to do with it, but I'm not saying it didn't. What I'm saying is, is we see over and over again, if people don't, people like us, addicts and alcoholics, if they don't address the spiritual fucked up that comes with that, then you're going to um, put a bullet die. Down, dude. Yeah. Or somehow. you're going to die right. somehow. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, it's I guess super super sad, man. But. I guess Anthony's the example of of yeah. It's just like it doesn't matter. I guess you, money, you, power, fame nothing, doesn't matter. If you got that giant gaping wound of a soul, like there's no no paycheck or no like appearance on CNN is gonna make that any better. No, no. You it's know? just yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> Someone I did the best, and I see this is these are the times that I do want to quit social media when shit like this happens and everybody politicizes everything or everyone makes it like look at me, look at me, and like the mm-hmm. only good the only good quote I've seen out of this is like hey instead of posting those like suicide helpline prevention phone numbers how about we all just quit being assholes to everybody and like love your neighbor and it's like Meh. yeah but I don't know that that really helps well, somebody with real depression. First of all, but, but you get okay. you get his larger point of like, okay, you're posting Taking a phone number, action. but how many friends of yours that you know are depressed are you actually reaching out to? Uh, yeah, I've seen people like say that, <laughs> like reach out to your friends, check in on somebody today, 
Like that's le- that's legit. Is it also posting helpline? Because that shit's real, you know. It is. You know who you haven't reached out to? You. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm I'm really all right with it. I had to. Did you even listen to the episode where I processed my severe depression? No. No, of course you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I would. Well, so this this is fucking cool, actually, and I'm really was it like. With Bash? Is it no, it was me Bash? and Brad. It was uh, like Jed's therapy session or something. Um, uh, or no, yeah, it was right. the flu versus Jed. That was it. But so this is I like I'm really proud of you guys congregation because like i y'all reached out to me like straight up like multiple multiple people like that's dope yeah i was really surprised it was very cool it was lots of people i get it and then like hey you okay and like i'm praying for you and i was like wow that's pretty cool and my own co-host didn't so (laughs) fuck you john Tell them about, oh, no, I guess we can't. Like, tell them about the text message that I missed from you. Um, Which one was it? Like, yesterday. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, okay, like, so tell them this. Yeah, because that kind of goes into my other speaking point of, uh, yeah, so I was texting you, like, da-da-da-da, and then I was like, oh, yeah, dude, so, yeah, uh, Kaylee, like, it, it might be, she wants to have a baby, and you just completely fucking ignored it. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> was thanks, like, dude. Back to, back to logistics about what we're going to podcast. Are right, you right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I missed it. I, like, 100, 100% missed it. And then I got the text, like, well, so you, you're not going to fucking say anything? Like, you're not going to say shit about me having a kid? Yeah. And you're anyway, like, you never said bad. that. And then as I was scrolling through the text messages to screenshot you, uh, you did it yourself i guess i did i went back and i was like oh shit my b uh but mm-hmm. yeah so and I, and so so i'm nervous everybody knows i'm nervous about having a baby and i think i had a realization and you're gonna have to bear with me on this but i really think i pinpointed my fear and loathing of children and, it have to and do with hell? i bet it has to do with hell doesn't it no but it also and like why i used to be so like think sex was so bad okay so okay hit me um, so you know how much I love movies and stuff and how like a f- like media and movies and I used to like live in pretend land, right? Yep. So every time when I was a kid, I would start hating my favorite sitcoms was when they introduced a baby. Or in movies, when a baby got brought along, it would always piss me off because it took attention away from the main character. And now you got to worry about this damn baby. And I don't care about that baby. I'm trying to watch the movie or the show would reframe itself and be about the baby. I really think like that had a subconscious effect on me. Same with, isn't it same with sex? Because some of my earliest, earliest memories, let's hear me out here. Some of my earliest memories were, Sex being associated with violent death, like Friday the 13th movies. And like that is, that was kind of a subtext back then. Uh, I remember an X-Files episode where this kid got seduced by these two witches and they he had sex with them and they killed him. In the movie The Stand, this chick was having sex with the dude and it turned out to be the devil himself. So like, I was like, oh dude, that's bad. That's yeah. weird. 
Because I, I would like wear out the VHS tapes with like just the sex scene parts. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, dude. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't watch it either, but that link I think was burned into my brain. Maybe you are such a weirdo. Well, yeah, dude. Duh. I don't think I'm. I don't, I don't think I'm way off though. So what was the what was the like? Okay, let's let, let's go for it. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to ask her. I don't know. Biological so timing. Just, I guess so she was. Was she was all okay? It's time, and you're like, yeah, cool. Like you're just you're just been well, down to clown or what? I've been. I've been. Like I think we kind of started this conversation a while ago, and then she was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, no, not not cool with it anymore." And then I kind of stuck with it, and it's like, "Yeah, I kind of want one." And then now, recently, she's been like, "Yeah, I think I want a, I think I want a baby." Awesome. Yeah. So of course I'm like, yeah, but then I'm still like, oh fuck, it makes me nervous, especially with. I'm with, be an uncle. Hey, congregation, I'm gonna be an uncle, y'all. Hey, hey, Uncle Johnny. I'm excited. I'm excited. I finally get somebody to hand a baby back to when they poop. So I've had to deal with it myself. Dude, but your text messages make it seem like it's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude. But then I sent you that video. My, I mean, it makes yeah, it they're, they're that's adorable. Worth it. But I really tell people like two things. Right, kids are the worst roommates ever, ever. They're fucking disgusting. They're I, I don't want to. I don't want to gross. We could have some congregants eating while they're listening to this. So I don't want to gross anybody out. But they are the absolute worst humans to live with. Well, well, let's Children just are fucking disgusting. Give them two seconds. Worse than frat boys. No, here worse I want to hear boys. something. So spoiler alert: This is your chance. If you're eating, turn it off. Spoiler up. alert. Spoiler alert, I can't count on my fingers and toes how many times my bare hands have touched child feces well, on accident. Oh, that's gross. What, do they just poop around the so house? So gross, but yeah, Fuck, yeah, dude. What? Why? I mean, like, it's not a regular occurrence, but, like, there have been poop nuggets just chilling. Like, I <laughs> unexplained I poop nuggets. Are you, are you sure it was your kids? I mean... Yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you a sleep oh, pooper yeah. that you're unaware of? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so fun if you installed cameras right. and then you watch right. it and it's straight up you just like sleepwalking and dropping trout. No, no. It's Frank. He's just like lives in my attic and comes down, <laughs> <laughs> comes down to poop. Frank, why did you poop um, the bed? Because poop is funny. <laughs> that's a fair point um, um and the other thing too is like people ask me all the time like hey what's it like being a dad you know like uh, do you love it or what and I you know at the end of the day I have been just fucking tired for six years that's really I've been tired so you're not you don't sleep so you're not selling me at all no Thank- sleepy sleepy ugh Fuck, man. But but see, we both kind of have reached this point where, like, I think... All in... jokes aside, though, they make it all worth it. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I wake up and I work and I do everything um, because kids. Because when I didn't, I was just kind of aimless and, like, and That's life was great. That's kind of where I'm, we're at. You know? Yeah. It's like we feel that innate, like, okay, I think I've I've driven this selfishness train like as far to its logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. And like I'm kinda ready yeah. to, to give a little bit. Of course, 
congregation, and it's on record, so I will eat those words, without a doubt. But for now, I will say, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's continue this after the interview. So this, you missed a good one, dude. This is the dude. This dude fucking designed George Clooney's tattoo on From Dust Till Dawn. No shit. That's yeah, he, he did all the tattoos for like all the the Blade trilogy and all this shit. What I loved the first blade. Yeah, and I'm I'll leave it in. This is another example of uh, a hilariously cringe-inducing, awkward me trying to like start the conversation. It's just so bad. Like, oh, oh, how are you? Hello, how are you? How? Where are you? My from? favorite. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna edit it, but I'll just let y'all listen. <laughs> Thinking about you, your red cooter here, your eyes on my wall, your teeth are over there, but I'm still no one, and you're not star, what do you care? Been thinking about you, and there's no rest, should I still love you, still see you in bed, but I'm playing with myself. What you can when the other man of five, five better. All the things you got, all the things you need. You bought your cigarettes, you bribed the company to come and see honey. I've been thinking about you. So how can you sleep? These people aren't your friends They're paid to kiss your feet They don't know what I know And why should you care? Alright, so I'm here with uh, Is it Negrete? Freddy Negrete? Ah, Freddy Negretti. Negretti. Well, that, that rolls <laughs> off the tongue better, doesn't it? Yes <laughs> it, it is actually Negrete, but oh, okay. Spanish Well, good, then they're bonus points for proper pronunciation then yeah, everybody calls me Freddy Negretti. Yeah, um, yeah, I was uh, I got your um, I got recommended to you from uh, Amy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, a I found a like she might as well be my uh, long lost sister. When I okay, thought, cool. Yeah, I, I I did a podcast with her. Yeah, or something. Yeah, and then I realized I'd seen you on Ink Master too. So, uh, I was a guest judge on Ink Master once. Yeah, um, I really, man, uh, I want to get right into it because after reading everything about your story, um, I just want to get into it. Um, so where, do, how did, uh, where do you usually start? Mm, I guess uh, with the tattoo part. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, you know, grew up in, in uh, on the east side of L.A., and I was uh, heavily involved with the Chicano Cholo culture there. And, um, you know, uh, some people call it gang members or whatever, but it was the barrios of east L.A., and, uh, and that was in the 1970s, and uh, we brought the world 
graffiti, graffiti art, um, uh, khakis and Pendletons, chucks, bandanas. That whole look, huh? <laughs> yeah. Lowrider cars, you know, and, uh, and tattoos. How, uh, and, and you uh, and, go ahead. Sorry. No, what were we gonna ask? Uh, and you got in that in juvie. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I joined my neighborhood when I was about twelve years old, and uh, became very much involved with it. Uh, I had art ability, so I was the the go to guy for uh, graffiti and and hand poke tattoos. Although, you know, there was a certain imagery that that uh, we really clung to, like uh, Mexican revolutionary type art, you know, the, the chara girl with the gun belt, you know, mm-hmm. Pancho Villa, Zapata, uh, you know, Aztec art, you know, was, uh, we, we believe was a big part of our culture and our background. Uh, religious imagery, you know, like Catholic images, the Virgin Mary and Jesus, roses, crosses, things like that. So all those images were very important to us. And uh, the tattoo style developed in the California prison system, which uh, we, we as uh, Chicano Cholos frequented. And uh, <laughs> I learned how. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of ingenuity in prison. You know, the, in prison is where the... Uh, Rotary tattoo machine was invented, and was it really? That's where it was invented. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's funny because now all these companies, you know, make them for professional tattooers, and all young tattooers use rotary machines, and they were developed in prison. Uh, you know, so uh, once I got out of prison, I set up shop in my apartment. And uh, not long after that, uh, a tattoo shop opened in East L.A. And they discovered that the people in East L.A. didn't want traditional style tattoos. They wanted their tattoos to look like they were done in prison with a single needle and just no color, just gray shading. You know, they wanted their images to look more realistic. And that tattoo shop accommodated them with uh, Good Time Charlie and Jack Rudy. Uh, Eventually. Eventually, Ed Hardy owned it, and he hired me and myself and Jack Rudy, Ed Hardy, Good Time Charlie, and Mark Mahoney. We we uh, introduced a new style of tattooing to the tattoo world, which has come to be known as black and gray realism. How, and, uh, how old were you at that time? I don't know, 21, 22. Oh, wow. So you're fresh. Yeah. Long time ago. And this was, uh, so were you clean at this time? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, becoming a prof- professional tattoo artist did change my life quite a bit uh, because I I wasn't gangbanging, I wasn't stealing or robbing or anything like that. I was, uh, now I was making money legitimately. I've. I felt a great pride in uh, what we were accomplishing in the tattoo world. And uh, it really changed my life, you know. I got married and, you know, 
have my son, uh, that my son's Isaiah Negretti. He's a tattoo artist today. And, um, you know, but I still had difficulty uh, with uh, abuse, drug abuse. And um, Were you still involved with, with, like, the gang lifestyle or, like, was your family involved? Like, did you, just, did you still have, like, one foot in there, kind of? Or were you fully into this new tattoo life? Yeah, both, you know. Like, at first I definitely had one foot still in the hood, you know, I... I still lived in my neighborhood and hung out there, you know, and then I go tattoo, you know, and I, uh, there was a lot of heroin on the streets back then and I would indulge in that, you know, so I always had one foot in, you know, but I didn't have to do criminal things to make money. Right. You know, and I was able to support a a drug habit. (laughs) What was your main thing back then? Uh, you know, eventually it became heroin, Mm. you know, but there was a lot of different things around PCP, barbiturates, you know, always weed, a lot of drinking, you know, a lot of partying. Kind of all the reasons my mom didn't want me to get a tattoo when I was young, the stereotypical. I've seen what goes on (laughs) in those tattoo shops. I don't want you hanging around there. Yeah, it may have been like that. At, at some, you know, some tattoo shops. It's gotten pretty professional these days, though. Yeah, yeah. No, my my mom's about 30 years behind on everything. <laughs> uh, so what was like... So what was your spirituality like back then? What's... Did you... Because I know you were talking about the Catholic imagery and that's important to the tattoo and the East LA and the Hispanic culture and stuff. So like, did you grow up religious or was your family religious? Did you kind of just not buy into it at all? Uh, you know, um, the imagery was just because, you know, we were, we were Catholic, you know, and, and our parents were Catholic and, you know, uh, and, there's a strong imagery there, you know, with the Catholic Church is very much into their their saints and their statues and things like that. So it was just something visible for us that we could identify with that that uh, made us who we were. You know, we were Catholic, right. and uh, these images represent us. <clears throat> However. Uh, there was a time in my life uh, when I was a young tattoo artist. I was addicted to heroin, and uh, there was this like evangelical wave going around the neighborhood. You know, uh, it was called Victory Outreach, <clears throat> and it, it uh, actually came from Teen Challenge. A guy named David Wilkerson, yep, uh, a, a gang member in in um, New York named Nikki Cruz. And a heroin addict from New York named Sonny Argonzoni. And uh, there was like this uh, awakening. And uh, they were reaching out to people using uh, the word of God. And, and, uh, and, and uh, fundamental Christianity. And they brought it to East L.A. You know, Sonny Argonzoni set up his church, his church Victory Outreach. 
And they started reaching out to hardened criminals, gangsters, drug addicts. And uh, the thing is, you know, I spent so much time in institutions. I knew all the guys, all the worst criminal guys, you know, from all the different hoods, you know, neighborhoods. And, um, and these guys that I knew as hardened gangsters and killers, you know, were coming to the tattoo shop, you know, dressed nice with Bibles, talking about Jesus and love and, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, and it, it, it kind of touched me because at the time my marriage was falling apart. I was hooked on heroin. You know, my tattoo art was doing good and I was tattoo artist of the year and all that stuff, but my life was a shambles. And, um, uh, you know, I went to one of their church services and, and, um, and was saved, you know, and for seven years I stayed with it. I even, uh, went, went to a Christian university and got a degree in biblical literature and, and, um, you know, but, uh, eventually I backslid though. Yeah. So tell me about that. Well, you know, it was, so, uh, you know, I had trouble, um, uh, in my marriage and then, you know, I cheated and then my marriage fell apart and, uh, you know, the work I was doing, uh, you know, with, in the church didn't seem adequate because I, I felt like a hypocrite, you know, and, and, uh, eventually I just went, you know, because during that time I had quit tattooing, you know, because I was studying to be a, a, a pastor or something like that. And, um, so all that fell apart and I ended up back in the neighborhood getting high and partying, throwing my life away. Uh, but eventually I got back into tattooing and that helped pick me up some. So, um, and when I got back to tattooing, you know, I was already a legend in the business and so I was welcomed and, um, you know, I started working in the movie industry, you know, doing, doing, uh, fake tattoos for movies like Blood In, Blood Out, and Blade Trilogy, and just uh, over 30-some features doing temporary tattoos from movies. So, you know, my career took off again, you know. And Yeah, how, and, did, you, uh, how did you fall into that? Uh, well, actually, it started with uh, Blood In, Blood Out. Uh, Taylor Hackford, the director, producer, uh, he, he went to uh, a known tattoo artist at the time, and... Uh, you know, because he he needed tattoos. He was doing a movie about Mexican prison gangsters, and he needed tattoos, you know. And so they told him that he should talk to me, that I knew all about prison tattoos. So uh, we met, and he hired me for the movie. And I linked up with a makeup artist named uh, Freddie Blau, who was uh, the one that invented the the process at that time for temporary tattoos and movies and we did blood in blood out together and then eventually continued to work together for the next almost 15 years until he retired they now they now they have a one of the makeup artists that used to work with us because he was such a good artist he invented a new process you know where they do it with computers and they do the tattoos on like 
this light film, kind of like a Cracker Jack tattoo. Uh huh. And it sticks on with just water, so it, it's a better process, and they don't really need me anymore. <laughs> Did you have to like draw them on back then? Uh, a lot of like them I would. Well, we would make the stencils, uh, but the the thing that Taylor uh, Hackford liked, uh, you know, because the stencils would cost money, but if you had me there on set with a brush and 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 the paint, you know, that we use the the makeup, you know, ink, um, he, I could freehand tattoo. He'd be like, "Freddie, put a tattoo on this guy's neck or tattoo <laughs> these guys up," or you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, so I could do it freehand with a brush, or we'd make stencils. But either way, even if we made stencils and we st- would stick them on. They would need me to come in with the brush and do shading and touch up areas, you know. Oh, that must have been a sweet job. And I, Yeah, it was uh, a so great. I, I got to know, I mean, what's Wesley Snipes like? Oh, Wesley Snipes is really cool. And I really appreciated him because, you know, uh, he was the one that insisted on having the tattoo for Blade because... The comic book character didn't have any tattoos, you know. Right. And right. Uh, but when he saw from de- from dust to dawn the the tattoo, which was also my design on. Um, oh, you did Clooney's? Uh, That's like the most badass tat- movie tattoo <laughs> ever. Yeah. So he um, he saw that, and he had to have tattoos for his Blade movie. So uh, you know. So that's how we got hired for it. And, you know, each – and he was a great guy. And uh, each movie required uh, new tattoos. He wanted it to look like he was continuing to get ink as uh, the trilogy moved along, you know, so. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, it was a really great experience. I got to do tons of features and TV shows and commercials. And it was a lot of fun. And so, and during this time, you were you were sober. Uh, yeah, o- yeah. Off and um, on. I wasn't at on heroin. Uh, I would just chip. I was uh, one of those guys that would just get high for you know picnics and weddings and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but it would always catch up with me, you know. Right. And uh, I, I do remember uh, when I. When I did Con Air, I was already on the methadone program. So I would chip, you know, for a while, and eventually it would catch up with me, and I'd be strung out on heroin, and then I'd get on the methadone program and get on maintenance and usually be on it for about a year and then get off and then start the whole thing all over again, you know. So, But I do remember, you know, uh, being on methadone when I did uh, Con Air. And so that's all. So I had a, a friend that did some of my tattoos apartment style. And so that's why it's it's always interesting to hear uh, a tattoo artist that does heroin because my friend, he would let me just pay him in Suboxone and lore tabs. But I had to be extremely careful how much I paid him at first because I would look down and he would be nodding, you know, halfway during my tattoo. So did I mean, did that did you ever have any uh, heroin accidents during tattooing? Yeah, you know, uh, I did 
and actually I, I have a bizarre story. So I, I actually, uh, that's when eventually I started using speed with the heroin. Uh, and for that very reason, you know, yeah. Uh, so you'd mix speed with the heroin. You, you get the effects of the heroin. Yep. That but was, you'd also be amped up my, a little my bit. Last, uh, my last months of using that was my crystal and heroin was my thing. Yeah, that's what I was doing. So, and I did that because I couldn't afford to be nodding out in the middle of a tattoo, which is so hard. So, like, if I started to nod out in a tattoo, I would get up, use the restroom, throw water on my face, you know, like, and then start <laughs> all over. I wouldn't allow myself to just, like, get caught by my customer nodding out. Oh, yeah, but that'd there be was, awful. So, there was this one time, you know, where because of the speed, I hadn't slept probably in three days. And, uh, and I was on heroin, but I kept doing more speed, you know, so, so that I could, you know, stay awake. Yeah. And when I was doing the tattoo, the most bizarre thing happened to me. So I'm doing, working on this guy's back and it's, uh, like an, an Aztec warrior, you know, and it's covering his whole back and I didn't nod out, but I went into like a dream state, you know, <laughs> and, uh, where I didn't know what I was doing. And I tattooed my gang moniker on the leg of the warrior. No. And his family's up. Yeah, and I was like, oh my. And then I snapped out of it. I go, what the hell did I do? Why did I I do that? You know, like, why would I do something I hadn't written in, in you? You know, and it was Coyote, El Coyote, Sangra, you know. And uh, I immediately grabbed the shader and put a big dark shadow on the, on the leg of, of the warrior, you know. And the, the tattoo came out really great and became a pretty famous tattoo. It was like uh, featured in magazines and stuff like that. And I, I always look at it and see that unnecessary shadow on it. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, did you ever tell the guy? I figured that'd be a great story no. for him. Oh, man. No, I, ne- I never told him. Hopefully he doesn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, they never knew. You know, it's just... One of those things, I share that story with my, you know, because I, I lead group therapy at uh, rehabs for young heroin addicts. So, yeah. But I always share that story with them. Yeah, that's why um, I also just recently started um, my gig as a counselor, and I work at an uh, uh, adolescent treatment facility. So it's like 13 to 17-year-olds. And um, we've got uh, – or one of them just left, but we got um, some Hispanic kids in there now, and one of them's just completely in the idolization, romantization stage of the gang life. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, talk, telling any young kids um, that it's not cool is just, like, next to impossible. And so, like, I mean, what was it like growing up? Like, what's what was the gang allure for you? And, like, what do you tell kids to even begin to, like, deter them from that lifestyle when, you know, you're young and invincible and, you know, why should I not be in this gang? Yeah, I know. It, uh, the one thing that that I, I, I go ahead and try to point out some of the positive aspects of the whole Chicano culture like the cars and the art, you know, and and uh, the style of dress, things like that. You know, I try to encourage the, the positive and then discourage the negative, why it's a bad thing that 
we should be violent towards each other. We're only killing ourselves. Um, you know, uh, about loving your family, about the importance of career, education, things like that, you know? Yeah. So it, 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 it's kind of looking into their culture and uh, encouraging the, the positive aspects of it and, uh, and discouraging and trying to improve upon, you know, the negative aspects. Mm, yeah, that's good. And because it, it seems like even I got sober about four years ago and even it seems like the the newer generations are just getting like more it's just getting more and more isolated and more violent there's like no loyalty out there no honor amongst thieves anymore and like the the dope game really is just changing and where it is now is just completely completely dangerous yeah I agree I I, I totally agree and and um you know the thing the thing with us uh when I was a, when I was a youngster in the gang and everything we were more about protecting our neighborhood and and uh representing our territory and you know most of us were just party animals you know doing doing that but uh we weren't much into like a collective uh selling of drugs, you know, profiteering, things like that, mm -hmm. which a lot of gangs are a part of now, you know, where it's more of a cr criminal enterprise, you know, to make money on extortion and prostitution and drugs, things like that. So there's that part that's really changed since my day. It has. Did Did you ever, like... Were you ever touched by, like, gang violence? Did you, like, personally get victimized oh, yeah. by it? Oh, of course, yeah. I got stabbed, jumped. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so what kept you in it for so long? I you mean, know, like, I, of course I know <laughs> the answers to these questions, but for the, uh, for the benefit of our listeners. You know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, with... Uh, isolation racism you know you know like uh the chicano barrios in la were you know isolated and separated and um you know we didn't have good opportunities for jobs and education and things like that and so we we created our own subculture uh you know the barrio the gang you know and uh and and we got, you know, the things that you get from family, you know. Um, we loved our homies, you know, and we were all like family and we would kill for each other and die for each other. And, uh, you know, your dedication, you know, you were expected to be extremely dedicated and loyal to this. And it was our honor to be loyal to that. So, you know... And when that's all you know, and you could become great, you could become a great person, uh, not by the standards of uh, normal society, but by the standards of your neighborhood, by being the most violent or the toughest or the craziest or, you know what I mean? Then you yeah, yeah. go after those things, you know? What, what, 
was your but, was your actual family supportive of it? Like, were they like, what did your well, parents for, think about it? Yeah, for me, you know, my dad was also uh, a, a gang member. You know, so was my mother. But you know, I didn't have much contact with them when I was young because they went to prison, and my sister and I were raised in foster homes. Yeah. And it was actually, it was actually the abuse that we suffered, you know, through uh, the foster care. That caused me to just to realize that hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Mexican, and I belong over there, with yeah. them. And I went and I joined the gang, and so I had to really prove myself all the more. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And since I had no family, my family was in prison. I didn't know any of my cousins or anything like that. So for me, you know, the barrio became my family. You know, that became. And I was uh, very much devoted to that lifestyle. And it was just the tattooing offered a new lifestyle for me. And it, was, it wasn't long after I became a tattoo artist that I met my father. And I forgave him for everything. You know, I didn't, I didn't hold anything against him for not being there for me when I was young and everything. And, and um, he even had a new family. And uh, oh, even, wow. named, he even named my, my half-brother... The same name as me, you know, because <laughs> oh, wow. he was starting fresh, you know. So my brother <laughs> is named Fernando, and so am I. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I found peace, you know, and I think uh, part of it was, uh, you know, the the uh, the experience that I had, you know, um, in, in the church that taught yeah. me to be forgiving and loving. And I was able to to forgive him and and to love him. And we had up until he recently passed away from brain cancer, uh, we had a great relationship. Mm. And you know, so what? So, in, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I was so going to make something up. <laughs> they, hey, those are the best ones. So so then so you had a son, and did you have two sons? Yeah, I had two sons, and uh, and my youngest son uh, uh, was murdered in uh, gang type violence. And you know he, the thing is, is uh, that that was uh, the beginning of the biggest downfall in my life. You know. Yeah. Um, where what kind of state were you in before it happened? Like, were you well? You was know, this so, when you were training to be a pra- uh, pastor? No, no, no. This is years later. This is after okay. I had I owned a tattoo shop in Santa Barbara and everything, and I was remarried, and uh, and I had a son with uh, you know with uh, my second wife, and anyways, uh, we ended up <clears throat> uh, separating, and uh, he he was a young teenager living with his mother in Grover Beach, uh, which is in Central Central Coast, California, a beautiful place. And uh, he wanted to come live with me and her and I, and he was starting to get in trouble and she was putting him in juvenile hall. And so her and I had a custody battle mm. and I won. And so I brought him to live with, uh, with, with me and my other son, Isaiah, uh, here in Hollywood, you know, and, um, to tell the truth, I, w- I wasn't uh, really a great father. I mean, I was using speed at the time. Mm. And um, 
I didn't give him much guidance. You know, I got him into school. He ended up joining the same gang as, as I was a member of, uh, getting involved with that. And he and what, ended up getting, what did you, what was that like to watch? Did you, I mean, I, I know there's not much, you know, we can't con- control our kids, but what was, was it kind of a feeling of like, here we go or it, it was difficult for me. You know, his older brother, Isaiah went through that a little bit, but I was able to get Isaiah into tattooing and, and, you know, gave him direction. So that he, yeah. And, and I figured, oh, you know, I, I guess I told myself, well, he's young, you know, and he's going through that right now. Yeah. But uh, he'll follow my example. Uh, when he passed away, he was 15. Oh, wow. So, you know, so and I had him uh, for a few years before he passed away. But I could see that I was losing control. You know, uh, you know, I would I would go looking for him in the neighborhood and take him home, tell him, look, you got to stay home and go to school and everything. And then the next thing you know, he'd be gone. You know, I'd yeah. go to work and then he'd be gone. So I, I completely lost control. And um, and then, you know, when uh, when he passed away, I just, I felt so much guilt. You know, it was... Uh, yeah, I can imagine. I, I blame myself for everything. And uh, I just couldn't live with myself. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like just crying. And uh, as soon as I used heroin, though, I didn't care anymore. Yeah, sure. Heroin has a way of uh, numbing things out. You know, when you get when you're addicted to heroin and you're on heroin, you just don't care about anything around you. No, except for getting more heroin. Yeah. You pretend uh, like (laughs) speed. did the same thing I noticed it would just completely turn off your emotions and just leave you just uncaring right and I and and I felt I realized that that being on heroin and speed uh, made me completely insensitive to what went down so I tried to get keep everything out of my sight I didn't want to see any pictures I hated when people would come up and say man I'm sorry to hear about your son I didn't want to be reminded of it. I just wanted to be high. Yeah. And uh, I became uh, the worst drug addict I had ever been in my whole life. You know, did you, and it, did you turn a lot of anger towards God? No, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I, there wasn't the cuz I yeah, I always you know, put myself in those situations of how I'd react if like my wife died or Things like that, and always, you know, would I, you know, question God? Why is this happening? You know, that sort of thing. And a lot of people have, feel like just turn their anger upwards. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really do that because I really blamed myself, you yeah. know. And um, so I, I didn't really blame God, but I didn't even think about God at the time, you know. So, mm. and and, <clears throat> um. I was just so out of touch with everything, and, you know, then my health went bad, you know. Uh, so around that time, I was diagnosed with uh, um, drug-induced congestive heart failure. Oh, man. And, yeah, and I I just were got you, really... You were, uh, were you IVing? Uh, what do you mean? Like, were you shooting oh, yeah. heroin or shooting it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was... 
trying to shoot it. <laughs> you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, when you mi- when you mix it with uh, speed, you know, your veins don't last too long. You know, no, so, no, they do uh, not. But I, you know, eventually when I after I had blow- blown out, you know, the veins in my neck, uh, then I started filling the syringe and just shooting it in my nose. You know, just like squirting yeah. it in my nose. Yep. But that would, and oh my god, and and that would just uh, put me out of commission for at least a, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, or if I got lucky, I'd find a vein in my leg or something. You know, it's just so I was IVing. Yeah. So but, that's that was the direct cause of the congestive heart failure, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know. If, uh, I I think uh, you could, you know, that's a result of uh, the speed and heroin mixed together. You know, um, I guess it overworks your heart, and your heart gets enlarged. <clears throat> In my case, it was like really bad, and you know, and I had all the symptoms. My legs filling up with fluid and everything and then yeah yeah eventually when i did not being able to breathe and everything uh, eventually when i did go to the hospital and i started on all the medication you know for a minute there i i was taking the medication and it made me feel a little bit better but i started using asap you know and uh and so then uh but then i was arrested and i went to prison so when I was in prison, you know, they had me on all the medication. I wasn't really using anything. And uh, but, and then when I got out, I immediately went back to using and not taking any medication. And uh, I got really, really sick. And then I got arrested again. For drug drug crimes or? Yeah. Okay. Another possession. I always get busted. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody man. <has. laughs> so... And now I was on parole, so oh, you know, I, I, and I had a new case, a new possession case, and uh, when I when I started the with, withdrawing in the jail, and I, you were relatively well known around there too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and especially with the jail because I tattooed all the sheriffs, so they took care of me. <laughs> what? What kind of special treatment did you get? Uh. <clears throat> Well, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I was supposed to be in the hospital ward. So they they would go down and take me out of the hospital ward and they put me in a special dorm uh, where we call them the paisas. They're like the undocumented uh, people in jail. Uh-huh. And they do all the work in jail. They don't let anybody else like the Chicanos or the whites or the black. They don't let them do the work in the jail. They have... Uh, the paisas do it all because they do it so good. <laughs> and so they, they had special dorms where they would house all the workers. So they would house me in that dorm, bring me food. Eventually, you know, they would set me up and I would paint murals. Uh, whenever I'm in county jail, I paint murals in there. So what, but yeah, but this time I got really sick, you know, and I, I, I had three heart attacks, and I wow, was from from withdrawing or from no from from my condition. Just from, 
Oh, wow. So you had three but, heart attacks in, in county? Yeah. Ugh. That was bad. I was in a wheelchair. You know, I, I, I couldn't get up and walk around because I couldn't breathe. My lungs were in failure. My liver was in failure. My heart was in failure. I was certain that I was going to die in there. I was certain of it. And uh, I was all skinny, you know, and it's just, and the, just the terrible feeling, you know, it's like, I'm in here dying. And I look around, I in the dorm and I see everybody laughing and doing push-ups and all this stuff. And then I would feel like, you know what? I did this to myself. This is yeah. what I did to my, to myself, you know, it was a terrible feeling. But I remember after the second heart attack, <clears throat> you know, I'd be in the hospital there for a week or two, and then they send me back to the jail in a wheelchair. Uh, but, you know, I remembered a story that in the Bible about a king, uh, this prophet went to a king and told him, uh, you know, get your affairs in order because your time is up, you're going to die. And uh, the king, went, he bypassed the prophet, went to God, and asked for more time, and God gave him 15 more years. Are you familiar with that story? Yeah, yeah, I am. So, so I was going to talk to God, you know, and and uh, in order to be alone, I had to go up these two little flights of stairs. So it took me like an hour just to climb up those <laughs> stairs. I was like going up Jacob's ladder, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I got up there, and I and <clears throat> and I. I prayed this prayer, you know, and I, we always pray when we're in trouble and things like that. Oh, but yeah. this was like different. And I, I said, God, I, I'm not going to make any promises because every promise I've ever made, I've always broken. But I'm just asking you, please, to not, not let me die in this wretched county jail of failure like this. Just give me a little bit more time to redeem myself. And, and from there, I actually made... A miraculous recovery like from and, uh, that day from that point uh well no not from that point because <laughs> it's funny the next day so the next that night was really rough i couldn't lay back at all i couldn't sleep and in the morning i got chest pains i had another heart attack you know so i should have been like well <laughs> yeah. your your request was denied <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we uh we went over your file and i'm sorry uh no dice we'll see you in a minute <laughs> and that that's how i should have felt and uh but i didn't feel that way it was amazing on the way to the hospital <clears throat> all of a sudden i felt like i was gonna live for the first time that whole time i was in there i was in constant fear that i was gonna die at any moment i just mm -hmm. i had already you know uh it's one of those things where you just accept it you know mm -hmm. i had already accepted i was gonna die and uh, but now all of a sudden, on the way to the hospital, I felt like I was going to live, you know. And I believe that God gave me the faith that I needed to believe in Him, you know. Like, yeah, like it wasn't, you know. I didn't have the faith to believe, you know, that God would heal me, you know. But I feel like God it was a gift from God, you know. And I got it at that moment on the way to the hospital. I felt like I was certain that God was going to, you know, heal my body. And eventually I did. Uh, I went through a miraculous recovery. Uh, then the doors were open for me to go to a rehab instead of going back to prison. You know, and that, that came because I painted, you know, after I started recovering, 
you know, I was still going to court, but I started painting these murals for a certain captain in, in the jail. And, uh, and my, my lawyer was telling me, there's no way of getting around it. They caught you red handed. You're on parole. Just accept the two years in prison. But if you try to fight it, they're going to give you four years and you have no case, you know? Right. You were caught red handed, you know? It's like, yeah. And I just kept saying, just give me more time. Give me more time, you know? And, and I asked about rehab and they said, there's no way the public defender there said, there's no way. I mean, the DA said, there's no way you'll go to a rehab. So anyways, I asked this captain if he could, if uh, he could write a letter, which he said, oh, we don't do that. But anyways, so when I went to court, you know, I was going to go ahead and take the two years. And my lawyer, lawyer came down and said, wow, this is amazing. He said, the judge went in a, the pile of folders, pulled yours out and said, this guy's going to rehab. You know, what? and uh, yeah. That's and so awesome. I, I'm thinking maybe the captain had a talk with the judge or whatever. Sure. But from there, I went to rehab and that was the beginning of a new life for me. That was uh, how long ago was that? It's been ten years now. I'm on my eleventh year. Oh, congratulations, man! And my health is good. You know, I still have high blood pressure, and I take different pills. But uh, I, I try to eat healthy and live a healthy life, uh, spiritual life. I love my higher power, and uh, I I uh, <clears throat> accept the twelve steps as a pathway to a new life. And uh, it's really been a great experience. These last 10 years have been amazing for me. I was able to help uh, produce that movie, Tattoo Nation, um, which uh, became is like the historical document for the tattoo world. Um, I've uh, been able to do uh, numerous publications. Uh, I wrote my book. And, um, and I focus on my work. My work has improved. I keep developing as an artist daily, and I'm already old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been a great, a great life for me these last ten years. That's awesome, man. Well, um, so where can people find your book and uh, your website and all that good stuff? Oh well, my website is uh, fredinegretti dot com, and um, there's a, a lot of uh, podcast interviews, a lot of stuff on recovery there. Uh, there's my work. And uh, you can order the, my book straight from there, or you can get my book off of Amazon. It's called Smile Now, Cry Later, Guns, Gangs, and Tattoos, My Life in Black and Gray. Uh, I also just uh, released a coloring book, an adult coloring book. And, uh, oh, your tattoo designs? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to pick that up. Yeah, so that's the new therapy, adult coloring books. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's extremely therapeutic. Uh, I got well, another coming out soon. Awesome. Well, man, Freddie, thanks for um, thanks for coming on and sharing your story, man. I'll, I'll definitely have to. So, where are you at? You're in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And if you know, if uh, anybody wants to make book an appointment for tattoos, they just uh, call Shamrock Tattoo. Uh, they're in West Hollywood, and just book an appointment. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'd, I'd love to get one from you one day. Playing guitars yeah. together, playing bars, whatever, getting lost in bad weather, having nearly lost the fun. You turned a born to run, writing long postcards to mothers with sons in the ER. Then I moved into the VR, and somewhere, man in that passenger van.
And we're back. We're back. All right, we're so back. what do you think about... Uh, so me and Debesh broke down a little of the Kanye, but so I listened to Debesh, his, Debesh. his... Yeah, I listened to his new album that he just dropped. Mm-hmm. Well, the, mm-hmm. not the one with Cuddy, the one before it, but immediately I was like, oh, hell yeah, Kanye, because dude raps about being on mm-hmm. 2C, 2CB. No, oh, yeah, I know. That explains yeah, everything. Fire as fuck. <laughs> that it, dude, it really does explain a lot. He's also drops that he got diagnosed bipolar. That also explains a lot. He's like unmedicated, self-medicated. He's like the. He's in the. I've been saying this for a long time. You think he's sober? He's the epitome of. He is the epitome of like tortured artist. He's just. He's a little cray. A little yeah. cray, cray. Yeah, he's you know a little, he's a little yay. He's a little yay yay. Yeah, yay yay is not for play play. I don't know how I feel about like these seven albums coming out though. They can't all be good. Seven albums? What are you talking about? I think he he's he's dropping seven seven song albums. He's done two. The other one with Kid Cudi dropped like today or yesterday. The uh, Kids See Ghosts. Yeah, I haven't heard that. He it's weird. Just put out Push It. He put out Push It T's album too. But that's and that was seven tracks. But that's not that wasn't his album. Well, I think he that's what he's it. talking about. Like, yeah, th- I think that's included in the in the seven. That Pusha T album is fire as fuck, dude. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh boy, I think it's better than the Ye album, and I really like the Ye album a lot. It came out the it. same day as the ASAP Rocky, or like right around the same time as that new ASAP Rocky, and I've. I've it's totally eclipsed all of the records that have come out recently for me. What's it called? I'll give it a listen. Well, give me one song to listen to. Uh, I can't do that. <laughs> okay. If you if you know, you know. Listen to that one. I think that's what oh, it's called. I thought you were just telling me that. I was like, well, obviously I don't know, John. No. Listen to it. I think it's, it might even be like the first track on the album. All right. That works. This shit's fire as fuck. And it's only seven tracks, so I mean, when do you, you know, it's like 20 minutes long. I got, dude, 20 minutes is, I got things to do, bro. No, you don't. You don't have kids. Exactly, but somebody's got to run oh, this yo, podcast. Oh, yeah, I will say, talking about kids, they are the best excuse for getting out of shit you don't want to do. Uh, Kaylee, like, listen, Kaylee said that same shit, because I was like, oh, because <laughs> this, this was the text. This, this was the text. Uh... From John, when my house is melting down. And I looked at Kayla and I was like, oh, so your house is melting down for eight and a half hours? For the next eight and a half hours? Yeah. No. No, it wasn't. Exactly. How long did it take you to get your house? It was bad, though. It was bad, though. And I'm tired, dude. I'll tell you. It's because, are you still going to the gym in the morning? Yeah, so it's the only time I have. That's what's doing it to you, dude. So do you pre-workout in the morning? Of course. Dude. This is my life. This is my cycle, I'm just dude. saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Oh, bro, what's your, dead, what's your what? deadlift, by the way? Like 500. Is it really? No. Oh. I don't know. I don't deadlift. I'm scared I'm going to mess up my back because I've you, done it before. You know what I hit the other day? I don't, re- I don't really deadlift. I don't care. What? 310. Oh, good for you. 
Did it make your dick grow bigger? Or? You're a real piece of shit. I don't like you. I don't. I'm not friends with you anymore, dude. You're tired. You're cranky. You're not fun to be around. That was good, dude. I feel like that was really good. That was good. No? That was good. That was a good one. And to answer your question, yes. That's about seven <laughs> sizes. Around. 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 That's you know. right. <laughs> NASA just called it a new planet, all right? I took Pluto's place. It has its own gravitational pull. Grava, gravitational pull. Um, word what up, B? Huh? Uh, so, word up, B? Um, I don't have anything else, I don't think. Yeah, you're tired. I'm going to have to let you go. All right, I'm going to go watch Westworld. Nice. Let me know how it goes. Uh, send us an email at churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com. Uh, we're actually Join our Patreon because Jed needs baby clothes. Yeah, and I'm we're we're putting out real. I'm I actually really enjoy our Patreon episodes now, and they're coming out regularly. Sorry for the hiccup for a while, but they're they're really good, I think. And uh, I'm starting to put Kenzie's sermons on there too. Yeah, he's a man. He is. I don't know That's about my his, dog. I don't know about his preaching ability, but we'll see. Oh, by the way, and our Facebook group is, like, fucking hilarious. It I is. mean the shit out of Kenzie. I was really proud of that one, too, by the way. <sighs> yeah. So, join uh, join the fun. Join the fam. Hop on over to this side, you know? You'll enjoy it. Pure, you pure interaction with a... We do not disappoint. And I will ridicule you. It'll be great. That's you're, yeah. It, it really is a forum where we're all close enough that it's just lots of bashing. I like it. Yes, I enjoy it. It's 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 really a beautiful thing. You don't get away with nothing in there. Mm-mm. Nope. Later. Late.